Now on Coast Access Radio, we repeat a conversations interview originally played earlier this year with Graham and Wendy Joys, father and daughter. Wendy knows vaccines, and we thought we would replay this particular interview with regards to the latest vaccine information. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Conversations on Coast Access Radio. In this program, we have conversations with people about their interests, their lives, the things that motivate and excite them. So relax and enjoy this conversation. My guest today is Wendy Joyce. Yes, and as you can guess, she's my daughter, who in another life was a, a scientist and involved in all sorts of research. Wendy has a BSc honours from Otago University, and your specialty was the human immune system, wasn't it? Um, oh, it was actually um, immune systems in general, viruses, stuff like that. Okay. Now, folks, you might notice it sounds a bit hollow and echoey because we're doing it by messenger. Um, that's that's the way life is these days. Well, yeah. and if you hear any funny noises in the background, it's because I'm sitting in my kitchen. And there was one very large dog called Biko who might join in with a big bark or two occasionally. Yeah, well, th- thankfully, my my daughter has taken him out for a bit of a run this morning already, just so that he would be behaving himself. Good, right now, we I wanted to talk to you in general about vaccines and COVID-19. Now, sure. I realise that we're not going to change the mind of the hardened conspiracy theorists, but I wanted to try and generate some discussion around um, that helps people who are just confused because there is quite a level sure. of, of misinformation out there. Let me start with a really philosophical question that you probably can't answer anyway. Remember the infamous <laughs> Roman governor? And he comments at yeah. one of the greatest trials in human history. And he says when Jesus is brought before him, what is truth? Isn't that difficult yeah. at the moment? Oh, totally. Um, information is power, but how do you filter information without... Yeah, it's just it's a minefield. Indeed, because... There's all this swirling cloud of misinformation about ivermectin, 5G chips inside vaccines, the threat that the vaccine no. alters your DNA, etc., etc. So, yeah, I've seen some great graphics about the 5G chips going into vaccines as well. Indeed, but some of the, the part of the problem is, and is that you get these statements and they have quite bold. Um, assertions. I got one recently saying the world's leading virologist says, and he was anti something or other. So I looked mm. the guy up. He's actually his peer review group see him as a, an outsider and somewhat of a nutter. My words, not theirs. And that the research that he has put up has been peer reviewed and rejected as erroneous. And yet the post I received said, this is the world's greatest virologist. Well, it's easy to say those things, well, isn't it? Well, it's, e- it's easy to say greatest virologist because he's telling people what they want to hear. Yeah. Um, if you hear something that's counter to what you expect, the term is cognitive dissonance. Right, right. Okay, let's talk about the vaccine. 
And let's sure. see if okay. we can actually kick around some of the, um, uh, what's the word I like, misinformation and information. Now, one of the statements made is this group of vaccines are not FDA approved. Well, that's no longer true, is it? Yeah, yeah, it, it's no longer true. And I don't think the FDA is that stupid as to release an untrialed, <laughs> unsafe vaccine. Well, at least not on their own population anyway. Mm. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> what yeah, is... What, what? They, they, they have been trialled, they have been approved, they wouldn't be released to the market, and this whole lack of approval is actually about continuing to track things. Indeed. What I was surprised at when I did the research was that the group of vaccines that we are currently using in the COVID-19 yeah. fight, they were actually created um, around 2002 in relation to the COVID-2 SARS outbreak. So this family yeah. of vaccines has been in use and well tested for 19 years. Yeah, it's um I heard someone describe it, I don't know if it's an official term or they coined it themselves, but it's a plug and play vaccine. It's kind of got the generic body and you just well, I'm I'm exaggerating, but you do a bit of tweaking to personalize it for the circumstance and then put it out there. Well, that's I mean, it would be trivial. It would be trivial to compare it to mixing paint, but you have a base color and then you just add tints to it. Mm. That's what I'd kind of um come to the conclusion from reading the material too that that the base covid vaccine is your core element and all you do is you modify the um, identifiers that it needs to have to identify a particular strain of COVID. So yeah, and if you can utilise previous research, why would you reinvent the wheel? Because mm, there's also the issue that um, people raised, and this was one of my concerns earlier on in the piece, that yeah. um, a new vaccine has been produced a new variant of the vaccine, how come it's on the market after such a short period compared to standard vaccines, you know, um, polio, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Well, it's because people threw a whole lot of money at it, so the roadblocks were removed. All vaccine, well, not all, I'm exaggerating there, but it just shows what can be done if scientific research is properly resourced and funded. Right, because I found an article by one of the British researchers who said he normally allowed about five to ten years to test any vaccine because yeah. it, it took him that long to raise the money. He said, this time I was given an open checkbook and he said I completed all the tests to the same level as I would have on any other vaccine, but I could do it shorter because I didn't have to go out and compete for mm. the money. Yeah, the the other the counter voice that I've heard to that is um, we don't know what the long term effects of this one are, but if money was the hold up with that guy, um, that's always going to be the case. We're not going to have the long term data just because we've developed it over five years doesn't mean you started human clinical trials in year one. Hmm. Now th that raises two points for me. One is yep. side effects. Now, as I understand it. Um, from the research I was able to do, that if a vaccine is going to throw a side effect, it appears really quickly. They yeah. do, they don't throw um, side effects ten years later. 
Yeah, um, I've read that same bit of research as well, or a, a comparable bit of research. Um, the people who are citing vaccine side effects for the likes of the autism debate, mm. the average time between vaccination and diagnosis is sort of four or five years. Mm. Whereas, um, um, of course, we, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, adverse effects can happen and they do happen, but yeah. um, we still use. Um, penicillin, even though there are people who are highly allergic to that. So yes. it's comparable. And tragically, one person in New Zealand has died um, from the known side effect of myocarditis, isn't it? Myocarditis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that big, long, horrible yeah. word. Um, but tragic. she had underlying, yeah, utterly tragic, but she had underlying medical conditions. Mm. Um, Chances are, if she died from the vaccine side effects, she would have died if she got the virus. Yes. And I'm guessing that considering how public education works, having had vaccines recently, that she would have gone in with her eyes wide open. Indeed. Um, The other thing that surprised me was the comment I read from a researcher last week, and let me quote it. All vaccines are under constant review including the old ones. We still review smallpox and polio vaccines. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that, but I just never thought about it before. Mm. And great. Yes. So the fact fact that it's still being monitored doesn't mean it's still being trialled. And even if it was being trialled, look at all the data we've got now anyway. Um, Yeah. Great. If it's still things are still being tracked, that gives me more faith in the system, not less. Indeed, indeed. So I guess we can have a, a good measure of confidence that these vaccines have been through rigorous testing. Um, yeah. That they have reached approvals of the various health agencies. Yep. They come with the standard risk that anything um, has. And I, I saw a, a table the other day of risk factors um, associated with all sorts of um, oh. medical things in life. And, you know, oh, okay, yeah. and I, I wish I'd printed it out now, actually. Um, the react, um, vaccine reaction is statistically a whole lot less than reactions to other things like people who go in for surgery and die of whatever, etc. So the Exactly. So the adverse yeah. reaction of vaccines is really a very low factor. So mm. so here's But I think if you're if you're against vaccines on a philosophical basis, you're gonna latch on to anything you can to justify your position though, aren't you? Indeed, indeed. So why get Get vaccinated. Well, it's pretty. Can I use a, a, a very graphic <laughs> statement? If you don't get yeah. vaccinated, there's a really high chance you'll die. Is that an overstatement? Well, no, I don't think it's an overstatement. Like you, well, possibly, but um, you might not die. But um, I remember when I was at high school, I had a teacher who had a severe limp because he'd got polio as a child. Right. Um, he survived, mm. but he got polio. Um, it's not just the death, it's the long-term disablement that can come. If you, um, I've heard of people with chickenpox so bad they've had permanent facial scarring. What's that going to do to your mental health going forward? Because um, it's, it's all, all the lung effects and the heart effects. Who who wants to take that risk? This long COVID, they call it, isn't it? It's 
Yeah. I, I guess it's reminiscent of, of polio because polio has generated lifetime effects for people. In fact, they're finding now yeah. that um, people in their later years, um, polio is now generating oh. a whole new set of um, health issues for senior people. And, and those are senior people who had polio as a child. Indeed, yes. Mm. Yes, I was sure. talking with a lady recently who lives here in Waikano, and I, I won't name her because she'd be embarrassed, so would I. No, it'd be inappropriate. Mm. She had polio as a child, and she's now developed a whole new set of symptoms late in life. She's early 70s, and those, sim- those um, ailments are a direct result yeah. of having polio as a child. So some 50 or 60 years later, a whole new set of symptoms have erupted. Well, if you think about that with long COVID then, like there are people who recover fully and appear fine. What are they going to get later in life because of the connective tissue damage, the heart damage to heart vessels, mm. things like that, the myocarditis, and I'm going to mispronounce that word for the rest of my life now. Um but those who have the, the the long COVID, who are still six months later, have recovered in theory, but are still sick. Mm. What are they going to suddenly erupt with when they're seventy? Right. I found a really interesting graph um, from John Hopkins University, and they have yep. been and they've got. The, was that Biko the dog? No, that was me bumping something on my kitchen table. Oh, right. Okay. Um, Sorry. They have a list of about 20 American states, and they've got two sets of figures. Um, The share of overall deaths in hospitals amongst the fully vaccinated and the share of overall deaths amongst the against those who haven't been vaccinated. Yeah, I've just opened up that file in front of me now. It's actually quite scary. Let's start off with Alaska. Of the of yeah. the deaths amongst the fully vaccinated, they represent 2.3% of the deaths, yeah. which means that those who are not vaccinated are 97% of the death rate. And then it's look at Connecticut, it's 0.1% versus 99.9. Yeah, so if, if you get COVID in in Connecticut and end up in hospital, you have a 0.1% chance of dying. If you're not vaccinated, you have a 99% chance of dying. Those are just stunningly horrible figures, aren't they? Well, both. They're awesome in showing the efficacy, is a good word, of, of the vaccine. But those who haven't been vaccinated, that's a dreadful death rate. And um, from what I understand, it's not a pleasant death either. Indeed. And you may have noticed in the news, um, especially in the last two days, a number of personalities in America who were anti-vaxxers and have now, they are dying or have died, and they they deeply regret. Yeah, Yeah, I've noticed that too in um, other professionals, like I'm, yeah, in other professional circles I'm working in, um, public sector stuff, people are saying, yeah, that they're having the same experiences in the mega churches and stuff in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's crazy. The, the other stat that I'd like to dig into more, and I haven't done it yet, is people who um, stayed at home, like the, the equivalent stats for non-hospitalised cases. Yes, indeed. 
indeed. Um, but yeah, but I, I haven't seen anything like that, and I haven't gone looking for it yet. I guess the hospital-based cases are the easiest to for them to actually correlate and collect, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely, and it it shows quite a stark reality, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, even if you take into account that there's a bit of human error and um, you know, of course, all sorts of odd factors could have skewed the results. When you've got an average death rate of vaccinated people of 1% and 99% of the not vaccinated, that suggests something quite significant. Yeah, that, that's significantly outside the margin of error. It's not as if it's 45-55. Exactly. 45-55, um, exactly. I can understand why people would play the odds, but not at 1%, 99%. Hmm. The other thing that gets thrown up constantly is it's only as bad as the flu. How do you, oh. how do you respond to that? <laughs> um, well, having actually had the flu, um, I wouldn't really want that. So even if it's only as bad as the flu, I'd still be darn well getting vaccinated. But um, it's worse than the flu. Indeed. It's worse than the flu. Like if you look at the death rates, if you look at the disablement rates going forward, um, possibly there are people with long influenza, mm. but I'm hearing a lot more about long COVID than I am about long influenza. It's interesting looking at um, the graphs of flu and cold in Australasia over the last three years. Mum and I are part oh, yeah. of, of a, um, every week we fill in a survey form for a, a medical research group and they are plotting flu, colds and COVID-19 in New Zealand and Australia over the last three years. And it's fascinating yep. to see the immense change in the flu rates since we stayed at home, washed our hands and socially distanced. I know. <coughs> yeah, the um, other article I saw, um, I'm in Lower Hutch, there was a local hospital doctor, I think it was, because we've had a bit of an RSV um, which is a respiratory virus issue bouncing around here, and the RSV rates are going down as we're increasing those those um, self-care aspects. Yes. So it just goes to show how kind of lax and silly we were getting with our, um, our health care and our compassion for other people. Um, I've got the quote here in the article. Researchers are finding more than three-quarters of hospitalised patients still suffer symptoms six months after falling sick. So if that's the case, um, that's not a benign influenza virus. Indeed. See, one of the other things that gets thrown up regularly is, look at Sweden. Didn't they get it right? <laughs> um, I'm yet to hear anyone actually, they say, Sweden, didn't they get it right? Oh, but it's gone bad now. No one's actually told me how they got it right other than they said, do whatever you want to do. I'm just um, looking again at the John Hopkins data here in front of me. Sweden has yeah. had 1.13 million cases of COVID. And what are they? They're about yeah. six or eight million people or something, aren't they? A bit bigger than us, but closer in size to us than China yeah. or America. They've had 15,000 deaths. Yeah. And if they've got that many deaths, what are the long-term long COVID disablement type hmm. figures going on? Well, if um, it's almost like, they've, they've, almost like they've done a scorched earth policy. Because hmm. if they've had a million cases, 15,000 were dead. So that leaves 985,000 people 
with the potential, I'm not saying they will, but they have the potential to load up their healthcare system for the whole rest of their lives with heart and lung and liver and kidney and other associated COVID disorders. And that's going to load up their health system for another 30 or 40 years? Oh, at least. That's the other reason I would like to get the vaccine is... It's if I do get sick, I've taken every responsible measure to make sure that I'm not doing dumb stuff and being selfish and loading the system. Mm. Um, I'm loath to bring in other health factors. Well, drunk driving, let's pick on that one. If someone gets injured in a drunk driving accident and they were the drunk driver, they've made an unwise choice that I have to pay for. Right. Um, why would I then project that onto someone else? Mm. Uh, I just realised I, I missed something I was going to ask you about a bit earlier, if we can swing backwards okay. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There are, there's the concern of people, and I can understand the concern when, with the way that the data has been, pre, um, the misinformation is run, that the vaccine yeah. alters your DNA. It can alter your DNA. I can't. Um, if you, <laughs> ex-science teacher here too, um, they obviously didn't pay any attention in year nine science, either that or the teacher was useless, and I prefer to go for the kids not paying attention aspect. Um, the cell's got a pretty good kind of ring fence around the DNA in the centre of the cell. Right. Um, so vaccines, anything, it's not going to get into the nucleus of right. the cell, which is where your DNA is kept. So it's not going to alter your DNA. It can't get in there. As I understand it, the vaccine is trained, if I can use that expression, to look for the yep. spike protein um, in the... Oh, um, um, the, the, um, the, the vaccine makes the spike protein. Well, the vaccine doesn't make it. The vaccine goes into your body. Your body makes the spike protein from the vaccine. Right, right. So, um, assuming, I've, assuming I've read it correctly as well, that is. Hmm. And then the spike protein is what triggers your immune system. So that doesn't actually go into your nucleus at all. Right. It's around the outside. And the nucleus is where the DNA is. So your DNA is going to be okay. Right. Yeah, so you've got some basic cell biology going on there. The nucleus, the centre of the cell. Oh, think of it like an egg. You have fried eggs for breakfast. Yes. Um, the egg white doesn't get into the egg yolk. Um, analogy falls apart when you get a fork. Yeah. But um, the egg white doesn't get into the egg yolk. The vaccine doesn't get into the nucleus. The right. yellow yolk is where the DNA is kept. You're going to be fine. Right. Actually, just shuffling through all the bits of papers we're sitting and talking, and I found the bit that I was looking for um, about... Cool, um, so you can edit out bits and pieces if hmm. you need to. It's a quote from um, is it Helen um, Pistosis Harris. Harris. She says, yep. An example of a country who let it run is Sweden, who never formally introduced lockdowns and said to encourage their citizens to stay at home if they were six, sick. Their COVID-19 response has been labelled a fatal mistake, with the country recording over a million cases and 15,000 deaths. You only have to look overseas to see what happens when you let it rip. You have enormous amount of collateral damage by the way of loss of life, not to mention the massive economic impacts. You'll bring the country mm. to its knees. And that's a pretty good summary yeah. of it, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's not just what's happening now. It's as those people get older, what drain is it going to put on the health system, on the education system? Because you've got people that are not functioning at their best. And right. a good society will look after all those people. Absolutely, I'm not doubting that. Mm. Um, Except, though... It's, it's a big pressure. We, we live in a country, New Zealand, like Sweden, yeah. that has a, an inclusive health policy that, that cares for people. If you, yeah. if you live in America with an insurance-based health system or you live in India where there is no um, health system um, as we would know and understand it, those people are out on a limb, aren't they? Yeah, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day and they said if America's got this user-pays health system, why wouldn't people get the vaccine? Because if they get sick, then they're going to have to pay for their own health care. Mm. Um but then we had this discussion that I said that user pays isn't actually an economic system, it's a culture. Yes. Um, it's a culture of um, I'm paying for it so I can do whatever I want. Mm. So if you take it out of the um, insurance-based financial user pays concept and put it in the culture concept, it explains right. explains things differently. Now, the last thing that I had on our list to talk about, and it is a bit tongue-in-cheek, I confess, it's the whole theory <laughs> that Bill Gates and his cronies are injecting 5G microchips into the vaccine oh, to get into people's blood. Isn't that hilarious? Hmm. I saw a great picture this morning. It was of a nurse who works in vaccines, and she'd taken a picture lined up against each other, a pen. The needle required to um, insert the RFID chip and the vaccine, that the size of the needle for the vaccine. There's no way you could get a tracking chip into the vaccine. Indeed. They're not that small. Indeed. And and we could say all sorts of funny things about it, but I, I think one of the cleverest answers I um, read recently when the conspiracy theory was that, you know, this is a a world conspiracy by governments to um et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and, global tracking systems right. and all of that. And the response was, look, our government can't coordinate themselves to lay a slab of concrete in the right place. What chance do they have of being part of a worldwide conspiracy to track people? And I thought that was quite, <laughs> exactly. quite witty, actually. Yeah, yeah. Another thing to throw into the mix is all those people who are worried about tracking things, I assume they don't take cell phones with them everywhere. Well, isn't that the irony of it? And and I want to be careful because I, I don't want to demean people who are genuinely concerned. But if oh, they... I'm okay with genuine concern. I'm just not okay with tinfoil. Mm. How so worried about a, a potential 5G tracking device being inserted into their blood by... Um, by a vaccine, I can go onto their Facebook page and I can tell you what they had for breakfast. Yep. I can tell you where they went to school. Um, why would a government need to inject um, microchips into someone's blood? All you've got to do is read Facebook. You learn all about yep. people. It, it might take five minutes longer, but it's going to be a whole lot less stress for them to do it that way. And... As the FBI do, they have yep. they have the legal warrant to follow people, not listen to them, 
but to track them by their cell phone data where they actually move around the country. So if you've got your cell phone in your pocket, you don't need a 5G chip injected in, in, into your blood. Yeah. But look... Uh, yeah. Let, 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 I, I don't know if I agree with that or not, but... That's the reality. Having, having the legal warrant to do it or not is not going to stop anyone if they want to do it. So. In, indeed. I think what, what I want to say, though, is, folks, if you are concerned that you're being ejected with, a, with some kind of big brother device... Your your concerns are quite unwarranted. Is is, yeah. is that a gentle yeah. way to phrase and, it? Yeah, it's yeah, I agree totally. Indeed. Well, look, we've wandered all over the place. It's been good chatting and good catching up. Um, it has been. We need to get together as a family once lockdown's over and have a a a, a celebration meal together. Absolutely, there will be custard squares. Yes. And meat pies. Yes. And fried eggs. Yep. And all those things. Oh, we should probably get some ve- and get vegetables on this somewhere too, probably. Broccoli, but no Brussels sprouts. No Brussels sprouts. Indeed. Wendy, yep. thanks for the chat. I hope this has been useful for people. Cool. Good to be here. Thank you. I've been chatting with Wendy Joys, but you see, Ons Otago um, knows a little bit more about vaccines than I do. Thanks, Wendy. Bye. You've been listening to Conversations on Coast Access Radio, a programme where we talk with people about their lives, their passions, their interests. I'm Graham Joyes. This programme is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.